definitely have a strong connection to Long Island Volleyball. I'm so pumped about what you guys are doing. And- but also, shout out you guys for this podcast. It's gotten me through some really dark times, and I just want to say uh, thank you a lot for having me. Thank you for guys for having me. What you guys here are, are doing are awesome. So, Welcome to today's episode. Today we have on Ramius Prius, the founder of Frog Jump Volleyball, a D3 blog highlighting all the awesome players and teams in D3 Volleyball. Ramius is a New Paltz alum and played there from 2008 to 2012. We're going to be talking about the D3 college volleyball season this upcoming spring. Ramius is super into analytics, so he has a lot of cool numbers, and it's very interesting to hear his take on the top teams and players in D3 volleyball. Unfortunately, Mike wasn't able to make it this week, but he'll be back next week. So let's get into it. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I've actually been a big fan of the podcast ever since uh, you. So I actually didn't know uh, Long Island Volleyball, like what you and uh, Mike do existed until you reached out to me. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't. So when you reached out to me and I have to apologize for that. But, no, but, don't uh, worry about it. Yeah, I got to be very upfront and honest because like you reached out to me when uh, I want to say it was like when the my website went live. Uh, almost within like a couple days or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. And so I looked at it. I was like, Long Island Volleyball, let me see what these guys are about. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing like you guys giving the attention to like an area that has fantastic boys volleyball and you guys are creating like this community down there. And I'm sitting there looking at what the what you guys were doing. I was like, these dudes are awesome. Oh, my okay. God. I'm so happy like somebody else is doing stuff like this. So I just have to say I've been a huge fan ever since you reached out and – I try to catch up every podcast that I can, and I'm happy to be here and talking to you. Wow, I appreciate it. Yeah, we've had uh, a decent amount of uh, New Pulse people on here. I, I was just going to say, I actually I listened to the Ryan Cole one the other okay. day, and <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's always weird when I hear the younger generations of New Pulse guys talk. Because I just think of myself back when I was on the team. I'm just like, wow, these are the exact same experiences I have. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Playing with Radu. Like, if there's one thing that anyone can say, like, talking about their experience at Newport, is Radu is the most consistent person go, all going all the way back to 2008 easily. I know. It sounds like it. I've, I've never met him before, but I've heard all these stories, and I kind of, like, feel like I know him a little bit. And uh, it's really he's a really <laughs> funny guy, it seems like. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna be very honest, Cameron. Uh, I'm going to be very honest, Cameron. I truly believe if English was Radu's first language, he would be the funniest man in the room at in every room he was inside. Like no joke, because like some of some of his like the only thing that's holding him back is the fact that Romanian is his first language. That's simply it. that's literally simply it, because the man is. And I have so many personal stories where he's taken shots of me that were just like so biting and blunt, but they were just hilarious. Like the man is, <laughs> the man is truly an experience. I will say that. I will That's say amazing. That. Yeah. <laughs> How long has he been at New Pulse for? Uh, Radu. So Radu had been, and don't quote me on this because I didn't think I'd have to answer this question today, but I want to say <laughs> it was, <laughs> I want to say he's been there since 2006 because okay. I believe his third year was my first year on the team. So so we're going to do I'm kind of a new Pulse historian at this point based off everything that I I want to hear it all. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know if you know um do you know Bill Crop? I actually I know I've heard the name cuz I know he's an okay. alumni. He's an he's, alumni. Uh, yes, yes. He's really big on Long Island for boys high school and he also mm-hmm. coaches at St. Joe's. But mm-hmm. he went to New Pulse back in oh, the yeah. early days like back in I don't know the 80s or 90s and he played yeah. volleyball there. 
Oh, did he uh, play with? Uh, he might have played. He had to. Have, oh, he probably wouldn't have played with Tony Benilla then. Tony Benilla was a '70s guy. So, uh, fun fact about New Paltz volleyball: New Paltz volleyball has been around since like the late '60s, and they played. Okay. It. They actually played in the Eva for a long period of time. Really? Yeah. So it's like one of the first like that like New Paltz in terms of D three volleyball history is like an OG. Like they've been around for all of it, it. The program has been around for all of it. So it's always cool when you see like all these people in the boys volleyball landscape who have been around for all this time that went to New Paltz. Like you're talking about, and Bill Crop, he coaches at St. Joe's Long Island now, right? Yes. Yes. God. It's funny. Cause actually I sent him an email a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to get the skinny on like, cause I've been hearing some rumors about St. Joe's Long Island this year. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had to get the clarification, but he hasn't responded back to me. So hopefully <laughs> he's listening to this podcast and Coach Crop, my name is Ramius. I run a blog talking about D3 volleyball respond because i want to talk to you but outside of that uh like i said it's really weird seeing like it's not really weird it's actually really uh i'm actually really proud whenever i see all these new pulse alumni that are just like infecting or that are affecting change and affecting growth in the sport of volleyball and specifically boys boys volleyball because boys volleyball like boys volleyball is honestly one of the fastest growing sports in america and i'm talking even with COVID. even with COVID, it's one of the fastest growing sports in america and i truly believe it's just going to explode in the next 10 years and seeing new paltz having influential figures all throughout the landscape it just it makes me really really proud of where i came from in terms of coming out of that program and even more proud that i came from it when radu was coaching as radu was yeah. coach there you're, you're kind of like a founding father of uh new Pulse. Uh, <laughs> I, I i don't know if i can say that i don't know if <laughs> i gotta be honest. uh it's so i mean even of the new era i don't even know if i could say that so i'm gonna like i mean we can talk as much about new Pulse as you want as we want but like I'll, what I, the people that i have to give like the credit to honestly so uh quite literally when uh, just touching base on like my story there, like I played during a time in New Paltz where the team culture wasn't there. Like the team just wasn't at a spot where they were going to win anything big. And if you look at the New Paltz performances between like 2008 and 2012, you always notice that they were a good team. They weren't a great team, but they were okay. a good team. Like they could win games, but they just weren't a great team. Like the closest we ever got to greatness was in 2011 when we almost won the first UVC championship and we almost beat Nazareth when Nazareth had the most disgusting D3 team that I could, like that had existed up until that point. The next piece I'm working on currently for the website is uh, looking at the top five liberos in the landscape and essentially just it's hard to track liberos, especially in D3 this upcoming year, because quite honestly, the two best liberos graduated. Last year, so there yeah. was uh, Danny Martins out of the uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering, and then uh, Thomas Nelson, I believe it was Thomas Nelson out of uh, MIT. Uh, like they both graduated, and they're not coming back for a fifth year. And they were just hands down the best liberos in D three last year. It wasn't even close. And so now all of a sudden, there's like this power vacuum at the position, and it requires like looking at it very clearly because. Uh, like I was talking about yesterday, the way that uh, libero stats are tracked in D3 just isn't conducive to finding out who a good libero is because uh, Dick's percent doesn't actually actively tell you that much when you're looking more for things like uh, serve reception and dig conversions and all these other things. And these are just things that the NCAA doesn't keep track of. So uh, like this piece is just taking a long time to write and research, but I'm excited for it when it comes out and I'll stand by whoever I put on the list. <laughs>
So can you give us a sneak peek? Who are some of the guys that you're looking at? Uh, so Unless you don't want to give it away. Uh, no, I can talk about a couple of guys. So uh, honestly, like it's kind of it, – so this one was a tad difficult because of the power vacuum. But obviously like two guys that, are, that I have been looking at, obviously number one is Robert Nolan out of New Paltz. I can't have a top D3 libero list not include the reigning national – the reigning libero on the national championship team, and especially on a New Paltz squad that's looking to pot quite possibly repeat. And then another libero that I've actually actively been very impressed with in the limited amount of uh, game film, or not the limited amount, I've actually seen a lot of game film on him, is, uh, I'm trying to think, his name is Steven Gren- uh, Grenier, and, he's pl- and he plays out of uh, Mount Union in the Midwest. And so a lot of East Coast guys aren't going to know who he is because uh, – Essentially, he's playing out in like Illinois and Wisconsin and everything, but he's pretty good too. And so, like, I'm going to be looking to talk about both of them. And I'm very happy. Like, Steve Grenier, I think he was averaging like three digs a set last season, which is really good. It's really good. The only issue with that number is like his conference wasn't that good uh, because the conference he plays in is particular, it's one of the weaker conferences in D3. But he passed the eye test, and a lot of the film that I've looked at is like he does his ball very well and he does play. I think he's very good with barrel. What school did you say he's from? Mount Union. Okay. Boom. Anyway, I'm familiar with him, but uh, that's that's cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. But yeah, so uh, honestly, like, I'm really excited. I'm like, I, I, this is a weird. It's a weird because COVID has essentially thrown like a huge curveball into the upcoming season, right? Because honestly, a lot of things that are going to happen next season are just going to be crazy because we're going to have super teams everywhere like there's a whole bunch of fifth years that are coming back uh records are going to be broken all throughout all all with like so many d3 records are probably going to be broken this year just as is and whatever gets like laid out if there is a season is just i don't actively think they will be touched you know what i'm saying just because of the amount of talent that's coming back and even then like i'm actively very excited i'm actively very excited if we have a season and from the looks of it i think we will have a season and woof, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a really good one. So who do you think like top five D three colleges? Mm-hmm. Who do you think is gonna be in that top five? In my top five right now. One second here. I actually have a I actually have an Excel sheet on this. Give me, <laughs> give me a second. I gotta pull this up. No, nah, this is so this is gonna be interesting because like this is my whole deal here. So uh, looking back. So there's a very, like coming into this year, it was very clear who the top two are, right? So I don't know how familiar you are with the defensive landscape right now, but the top two right now, and honestly, I think they're relatively equivalent in talent, and I don't actively think one is better than the other, is Springfield University and Newports. And those have, and quite honestly, those two teams I think are going to be just above the other team. I think going into the season, they're like the clear hegemon of the superpowers in the D3 landscape right now, just based off of the fact that, well, Springfield was tearing up the division last year and New Paltz returned to their entire championship roster. And then on top of that, New Paltz is returning all of the fifth year, uh, an entire starting roster of fifth year seniors who are looking to just defend their championship. And then on top of that, those two schools hate each other. Like they want the two squads want to beat each other. And you can yeah. see whenever they play, 
how much they want to beat the other team. And so, like, at the end of the day, like, they're each looking at each other and they have the talent to stand above. So I think they're clearly the top two. Uh, now, I'm going to be really honest. I think the top, the top five gets very interesting. The top five gets very interesting, in my opinion, because we're looking at a huge shakeup right now. So I think St. John Fisher is definitely in the top five coming into okay. this season. And so they ended the season last year around nine. I'm going to be honest. I think they're going to make a huge move this year. They, I could see, and I'm not listing these teams in like a particular rank order outside of the top two. Like I think they're just clearly the best two out of the top five. But these are like St. John Fisher, I think, might settle in the four to five range. I'm fairly certain they will be within the top five at some point this season. I think they may peak as high as three at some point in the season. So I think their like ceiling is three and their uh, floor is five in terms of the talent that they have coming in because they have one of the best uh, outside. They have one of the best outsides in the division in uh, Josh Pickford. And he's getting a complimentary piece coming in this year. Uh, or there's a they have a good outside coming in this year. One second, let me pull up his name here. Uh, let's see. While I'm pulling up his name, I can actually talk about the other ones. Uh, Vassar is going to be very good. Vassar is going to be very good. I think I have them in my top five as well. Really? Yes, I do actually. So the big thing with Vassar. So have you heard? Have you seen Vassar play at all? I've seen like I've seen when they versed um, like St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not like too familiar with them, but I'm. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple couple games. By so I I think Vassar. So the big thing with Vassar right now is that they lose their starting setter from last year. And so that's a huge deal, especially because their starting setter was a freshman last year and he's not returning. However, they have a huge, they have, or I don't want to say huge. They have a big, or not big isn't the right word. They have a good crop of recruits coming in who are incredibly talented. Uh, Three or four of them could start on most D3 teams, but the problem is their team is already very good. On top of that, their starting right side did not play last year because of an injury, and he wasn't slated to return until the second half of the season, which was canceled because of COVID. And now all of a sudden he's coming back. So they were playing last last year. They were playing with uh, not with not not with their optimal lineup because their starting uh, right side just wasn't playing. And so now on top of that, they replaced their setter with a. Good, they have uh, two incoming setters who I think are very good, and one of them is. And I believe both of them are from California, but I believe one and one of them will def, and whoever wins there is going to whoever wins that position battle during their uh, during their open or during their uh, preseason, I think is going to make some waves in the, in the conference and in the country just because that team is loaded. And Gavin Van Beveren is one of the best middles in the country. It was one of the best middles in the country as a freshman. And he's just going to be and he's just going to become more dominant. Uh, I actively, so this is, and this is where it gets a little tricky because I think there's about three teams that can vie for that last spot in the top five. And I think they're, they're all on a a similar playing field. And I think those three teams definitely are, uh, Stevens tech. You can never count Stevens tech out quite honestly. And then on top of that, you, uh, Rutgers Newark. Uh, they actually were really good last year, and they were really good with a very, very young team. The only thing that I wasn't too hot on from Rutgers Newark last year was their schedule was just a little too easy. And we didn't really get to – and their biggest win of the season last year was against Stevens Tech in the very beginning of the year, 
and they didn't really get to the meat of their schedule. And the meat of their schedule was coming in the later half of the season, and we would have got to see like what was a true representation of their talent level. But until we see that, I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt because to me, I actively thought they were very good, and their freshman center last year was very good as well. Uh, and the third team that's going to surprise a lot of people is I actively think uh, Dominican out in the Midwest is actively uh-huh. is very good, and I think that they could compete up for the five slot. I think their I think their ceiling talent wise is as high as five, but I think they'll probably fall between the six and ten range by the end of the season. And like it's weird because if I I keep hearing all the rumors about St. Joe's Long Island and I keep meaning to like find more information out about them because I ha- I have them breaking into the top fifteen at some point this season. I just don't know okay. when and I don't know where their where their uh, ceiling is right now. I'm saying because I don't know what it all depends. It really all depends, all depends de- on a yeah. couple of recruits. Yeah, it, honestly, and like from everything I've heard, like it's going to be a really interesting season from them. I'm quite honestly, I'm hoping I can get down to a game. I really am. I hope I get to go watch a game this year. Uh, but you know, with COVID and everything, I think knows? Going, I think they go up to New Paltz this year because New Paltz came down last year. And I was so sad I missed that game. It looked like it was a good one. Very good game. Yeah, well, you were there, right? Yeah, I was there. Mm. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, describe was it just a because quite honestly, like it looked like there was just a big home contingent for everyone because most oh, of the New yeah. Paltz guys were just from that area anyway. Exactly. Yes. So, who, so whose home court was it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it is true. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Radish started all the um, mm-hmm. like you were saying like the other day. He was he was starting all the guys from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. During that game in the first set. No way. No way. Radu did that. Wow. You know, yeah, Radu, so I got to be honest. Radu loves the encore drama, man. That is such a, yeah. that is such a Radu move. He would definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I could, I could just see him on the bench just smiling the entire time as that game was going on. I, oh man. But no, like I'm actually really excited to see uh, St. Joe's Long Island play this year because Honestly, I think they have the potential to take a step in the top 15. I know they were flirting with it last year, and they were just, like, on the cusp. Now, granted, I don't know if any of the 50, uh, if any fifth-year seniors are coming back yet or not because I haven't been able to verify any of that information. But hopefully, from everything I've A few of them are. Yeah. One of the best players isn't, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one of their best players, Paul Carrero, mm-hmm. as far as I know, it will, will not be returning for the fifth year, which... Mm-hmm. Is uh, it's a damper, mm-hmm. but you know they have a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but at the end of the day, like even just having any amount of senior leadership on a team when you have a good group of incoming class and like potential and potential rumored transfers coming in of a certain talent level, like now all of a sudden you're sitting there looking at that and be like, okay, well people can't really sleep on this team, right? Because at the end of the yeah. day, like they still took New Paltz to five last year, like they still played them to five and. At the end of the day, like people are going to say, oh, well, like New Paltz didn't start their, they didn't start like a, a true squad in the first set. Like, okay, well, that's New Paltz's fault, in my opinion. <laughs> right? Like at the end of the day, like, like at the end of the day, like you put the roster on the floor, the other team beat you. That is a loss, in my opinion, regardless of what the circumstances are. And at the end of the day, like if they grow in toe to toe with New Paltz, that's like a very good foundation, in my opinion, for the program, especially with a program with that is, I mean, I would say they are on the rise, right? Like you have a better ear to the ground in Long Island than I do, but from yeah, I mean, I we all, I think it was only started like uh, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. 
it's crazy how far they've come in you know four or five years and they're only a commuter school like no there's no kids from that are not from long island on it oh man so it's it's weird because as i've been uh running the website and everything one of the things i see is year four in new programs is the turnaround year right because like that's the year you're going to see like your fresh if your first year if the first coach program ever hires is like recruiting effectively and building a good culture and building a good program his first year recruiting class they're going to be seniors at that point and now all of a sudden you're built a pipeline you have an established you have an established uh, team culture and you have established uh, team virtues that are kind of guiding the young freshmen and the potential recruits coming down the line and now you have all these self-supporting systems that are in place and now you have the talent to win right and so year four is when all of that kind of coalesces together. And then you can see all these new programs by year four. It's like you can tell, are they going to end up like, I don't know, Yeshiva, or are they going to end up like St. John Fisher's and St. Joe's Long Island, where it's just like either one team is just going to consistently lose every year, or these teams have built something to the point where, okay, now they're going to become nationally recognized. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't think people should be sleeping on St. Joe's Long Island next year. Absolutely not. Like that would, that would just confound me. If people are on that, if they have them on their schedule, like I would, I would be bringing your A game, especially if you're going, yeah. to, especially if you're going to their home court and you're playing them there. Definitely bring your yeah, A game. But at the end of the day, it's going to be very exciting. I actually, I actively can't wait. Definitely. So now I'm a little, sh- I'm not like shocked, but I'm, I'm a little shocked. Yeah. That you didn't put like Keen or NYU in the top five. So here's the thing, like Keen. How do I put this? So, and that's fine. Uh, because like the, a lot of people would be shocked. Keen, they're bringing in a huge, like all the guys that left last year, right? Like Ian Caps, or not last year, the year before that. Ian Caps returning. Uh, I want to I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Jarvarowski. I think he's moving to outside next year. He wasn't outside. But they have like six super seniors that are coming back on top of an All-American setter that's going to solve a lot of their issues. And then on top of that, they had a, they actually had a pretty good incoming class coming in as well. And so you're looking at the amount of talent that they have. I'm going to be very honest. I very, very much believe they will win their conference next year. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Uh, I just, it's very hard for me to see them as top five compared to the guys that are playing right now in the top five. Cause mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like all those, like a lot of the programs that I listed, they had like, I'm trying to think Vassar, Let's look at Vassar right now. Vassar had an all American freshman literally a freshman and I'm going to be honest there I don't actively think there's a better player on in Keen that plays I don't think there's a player on the Keen roster that's better than Gavin Van Beveren just in general and then on top of that they're getting their starting right side back now NYU here's the thing about NYU so NY so and I actually I actually have to go and check with some people because I saw something really interesting on Instagram the other day NYU was incredibly senior heavy last year right so their yes. their entire starting roster was seniors, and they're 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 like that team was good. That team was very good. Evan Lindley and Villaro, they were very very good. That team was fantastic. I want like they all they almost beat New Paltz and home in five last year. They're the only team that beat Springfield last year, and they swept Springfield like that. Yeah, that, I know that, was that team was not even close, and that kind of shows you how important it is to have senior leadership in a program, right? Because Springfield started a whole bunch of freshmen. Versus a very, very heavy senior team in NYU. And I'm always going to go like, and when they're at equal talent level, I'm going to go with the senior team that I am over the freshman team. And the Springfield team had three freshman All-Americans on it, right?
So, and they, in Springfield, and they lost that game. I don't think they lose that game if that game happens and those freshmen are sophomores. I don't think they lose that game. I think they win that game relatively easily. But NYU, if they don't replace all the production from those seniors, then I think they're going to have a struggle. And I know for a fact Neil Ferraro is not coming back. Uh, I, but one of the things that I did find and that was interesting was that uh, Evan Lindley appeared in one of their Instagram uh, team workout posts the other day. And okay. it looks like Evan Lindley and like it looks like Evan Lindley might be returning. Which is he the really tall outside? Uh, Evan Lindley, he was actually the right side last year with the uh, right side. Okay, yeah, he was the dude jumps through the roof. He's not. Okay. He's not that tall. Oh yes, he he has like the the, um, the like the ponytail. Yeah, he's a ponytail. Jacket, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's not that tall for right side. I think he's only about six two or six three. But. I say that being six feet tall, he's taller than me. But uh, at the end of the day, like he's very good, and he jumps through. Yeah, he, and he, he jumps really through, and he was like, he was very clearly like the calm leader on the court for that team last year. And if he returns, that keeps that team. That makes that team rather interesting. But I don't have any a lot of information on the NYU uh, incoming class right now. They've actively kept that pretty close to the chest. Now, granted, if a lot of those super seniors return, my top five is irrelevant because NYU immediately like jumps into that as well because you can't have that much senior leadership return for a fifth year when they were already that good and not include them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Keen definitely has the potential, but the problem I see with Keen is they've just never been able to capitalize on their potential, right? They get to the NCAA, they get to the NCAA tournament every year and it's either an upset year, an upset year, an upset year. And I'm sitting here being like, okay, well, when do you guys take the next step? Right. In 2019, the year uh, the last New Paltz championship two years ago, they beat New Paltz in three at one point during the season. And I don't even think that game was very close. But then New Paltz just swept them the weekend before the season. And I don't even think Keene did very well. I don't even think that. I don't remember if Keene made that tournament. I'd have to look. But at the end of the day, like, I want to see Keene do well. But they, they're going to have to prove it to me on the court right now. Because that – I'll stand by that, and if I get a plaque for it, that's fine. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, I'm just a guy with a website. <laughs> True. Yeah. You, you seem to know all the numbers, and you know pretty much everything about D3, it seems like. Well, I mean, I tried to. Awesome. I tried to, man. I tried to. It's been, a, it's been a summer. Honestly, the one team I'm really excited for that I think is like the St. Joe's Long Island of the Midwest is Aurora. Like Aurora, I think, is going to break in the top 15 this year, and they play out of the uh, NACC. And uh, I think a lot of it, and honestly, if any East Coast teams go out and play Aurora, or if Aurora's coming to the East Coast and playing anyone on our on our side, like, don't sleep on that team. I think that team is very good. They have a very good group wow. of guys coming in, and they're, they're going to be very good. But outside of that, it's very exciting, very exciting. And honestly, so if, like, you were to pick, if you were to pick – uh, who wins the D three national championship? Who would you go with? Oh boy, that's you see, that's tough, right? Your unbiased opinion. Oh, that's you see, that's tough because you're telling me to say it's unbiased, and I'm a New Paltz, and oh man, so it's weird. Yeah, I know you're a New Paltz guy. Oh god, that's so brutal. That's a brutal question because <laughs> I don't even think it's unbiased. I, I so it's tough because I can't be biased. I like, I mean, I'm gonna be biased. I'm always gonna say New Paltz, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, one of the things I, I – so, and I'll use the example from last year. So, one of the things – and for any New Paltz guys that are listening to me, sorry, but I have to be very blunt. You don't, you only grow by being challenged. But one yeah, of the things yeah, that yeah. Uh, New Paltz 
had difficulties with last year. And you can actually see this in their stats is they're a very mistake prone team, right? So, and I'm actually working on an article on this right now, but uh, essentially, and, that, and this pairs off of an article I've already written, but in any volleyball game, you're going to have a bunch of wins that you have, or a bunch of points that you've earned and a bunch of points that you were given, right? So in a typical volleyball game, you're going to have X amount of kills, you're going to have X amount of aces, X amount of blocks that end in a point, and your opponents are going to have X amount of uh, attack errors, X amount of service errors, X amount of ball handling errors and blocking errors, right? So mm-hmm. in D3 specifically, you want that the number of errors that you have to be around eight and a half to 10 points. Does that make sense? You want to make about eight and a half to 10 mistakes uh, set to win the, to get to your 25 point total because you don't any more points than that. And you're, you're just giving the other team points that they don't that they haven't earned. Like you're just giving the team points and you're hoping and you're doing more work against yourself. So here's the thing. So if like that number and actually in the article, I actually, I'm referencing it that I wrote right now. It's uh, where you know where your numbers come or the winning numbers. But essentially, New Paltz last year averaged something like 12 errors a set. Right? So New Paltz was giving uh, enemy teams 12 free points every set. Now, a lot of that comes from their serving style because if you ever see New Paltz play, a lot of it is they serve very aggressively. They're either trying to put as much heat on the ball or they're just going to miss, and that's where a lot of their serving errors come from. But in terms of blocking, they're not a very disciplined blocking team, and okay. like they don't earn a lot of points off their block. They're a very athletic team, and they make a lot of plays based off their athleticism. But a lot of their offense, a lot of how they win is simply serving teams off of court and just being very, very good at putting the ball down. But the problem is last year, the good teams like Springfield, Springfield didn't make that t- those that many errors and they were just as good, but better than New Paltz in terms of putting the ball away. So now you have a team that's not very mistake prone going up against a team that is very mistake prone. The teams that not that's not very mistake prone is gonna give New Paltz less points, meaning New Paltz has to work twice as hard to win that set, to win that game. Now, here's the next thing, though. So New Paltz lost a couple games that I feel if they weren't as mistake-prone. And so when you look at their season last year, the two I'm referencing are the Vassar set, the Vassar game in five, and the Springfield game in five. They lost both sets, both games in five, back-to-back within the same week. And that was pretty brutal because that was the week that the one, two, and three teams all played each other. And so if New Paltz was just slightly more disciplined during those games, I don't think those games are even close. I think New Paltz just wins those games very handily and they move on. However, they didn't, they didn't have that. But one of the things that was really, that is really interesting about the New Paltz team in particular is that they actively, as the season gets going, they actively make less mistakes per set as the as it gets closer and closer to playoff time. Right. And it's really weird because that's kind of been their dynamic the last two seasons. You saw that a little bit in uh, 2019. 2019 was probably the perfect example of it. They all got healthy at the right time. They were playing the best ball of their life at the right time. And they shocked the world and won a D3 championship that they were probably not making the tournament if they didn't win their uh, if they didn't win their conference. And you started to see it again in the week in the two weeks leading up to the NYU game last year, which ended their season because the season was canceled after that, where they started making less mistakes and they were starting to pull out games that were a lot cleaner. 
right? And so at the end of the day, I think quite honestly, like New Paltz has this here, at least and when I say New Paltz, I'm talking about this this roster, like this roster of guys that are wearing a New Paltz jersey right now. They have this gear that they kind of get into when it comes to playoff mode. And then all of a sudden you're playing a completely different team. They don't make as many mistakes in the playoffs. They don't make as many mistakes in the crunch time games as the season gets later, as the season gets deeper. Like when we get into April and we start playing those games, like that's a completely different team. Now, granted, I'm going to be honest on paper, Springfield is a better team than New Paltz. But at the end of the day, if it's a national championship game, Springfield versus New Paltz for uh, as a rematch, I'm, I'm going New Paltz, especially with these rosters. I'm going New Paltz hands out wow. every time, every time. No fear. No fear. So I, I got to ask you before we, before we wrap up, I got to ask you. Yeah. Um, who at outside? Who do you think is the two? Who's the OH one? Who's the OH two? Uh, OH two. Yeah, that's very funny. Okay, so this no, this is a coming in. No, this is a fantastic subject because I've actively been thinking about this one for a while. I get to, I, I, oh, I've been thinking about it for a while too. Oh no, so <laughs> I'm curious I, what you think. Oh, because I want to talk about this because I think a couple of these guys deserve a shout out here, right? So uh, and. Sorry, I'm, my excitement for this uh, for this subject is getting ahead no, of me. I, I love it. Keep going. All right. So, uh, Brendan Spolnick is very clearly going to be the OH1 going into the year. That's, what I that's at least my opinion. So, uh, what I loved about Brendan Spolnick last year was he kind of just assumed the mantle after just being a serving specialist the year before. And a lot of people didn't realize this, but Brendan Spolnick can put the, he, like, he can thump, right? Like, the kid's got some thunder in his hand. Mm-hmm. And, He's just kind of owned it. Now, one thing that I saw in Brendan Spolnick was that he still he was a young sophomore, right? Like he was still learning the position. He was still learning how to be the go-to guy. And there are still some games where he can be taken out of it. And I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. But honestly, like I think that leaves his junior season. I actively think he's going to have a breakout year this year. And like if once the second he starts seeing that, I think he's going to be a completely different player and far and away the OH one. Now, okay. here's the th- now here's the OH2, and I think the OH2 is actively the more exciting topic to talk about in this because I think it's a much more fun. It's a very interesting problem that uh, New Paltz has because uh, New Paltz last year, uh, Chris Shan- it was uh, Shanley, Chris Shanley. I want to say it's Chris Shanley. I want to make sure I get his yes. name right. Yeah, yes. Chris Shanley. Yes. And Dan Shanley is his younger brother, correct? Right. All right, so Chris Shanley – and Riley Dolan, they were kind of in a timeshare for out for the outside two position last year. And it was just based off who was playing well and who wasn't playing well and who had Raju's confidence at the time and who probably shanked the ball in front of Raju at the wrong time and then Raju just pulled them. And th- I'm being very very honest, that is essentially Raju's subbing system. If you see something within minutes he doesn't like, you're just out. That's just going to happen. Okay. But So they were kind of splitting time. And now all of a sudden you have uh, A.J. Fitzgerald and Chris Larkin. And AJ Fitzgerald, I'm gonna be honest. I love how AJ Fitzgerald plays. I I love the kid. The kid literally is fearless on the court, and he has a lot of Matt Grace in him. And just seeing how he plays outside, even though he's a tad undersized, like I think the kid's gonna be really good as he gets older. And now Larkin out of New Jersey has all the makings of an outside dude. Like I think coming in. If it was a battle, but just strictly between the two freshmen, knowing Rod do, Chris Larkin has the edge just because he's taller. Simple as that. Okay. Just because he's taller, he'll probably get the first shot. 
But at the end of the day, like I think once Radu starts seeing uh, Fitzgerald put the ball down, like boom, I, th- I think he's going to like his mentality a lot. I think that's what's going to be his biggest strength coming in. Now, the problem is it's not just a battle between two freshmen, right? It's also a battle with Chris Shanley. And I'm going to be very honest. I am probably one of the biggest Chris Shanley fans that nobody knows about because one of the things I love about Chris Shanley. So Chris Shanley last year, and I'll end this as I go through this, I'll end with a story here. Uh, But last year, Chris Shanley only hit 296 on the season in his first year, kind of getting real reps at outside, right? So 296 as an outside, it's not bad, but it's not great. It's just a a, a shade under 300. Uh, which is, it's not bad, but it's not great, right? Because the All-Americans are hitting like 330, 340, and like you want to be at that 300 level to be like, yeah, I am the 300. Hitting 300 is the difference between like, okay, these are the good outsides. The 250 mark is the average outsides. And like, if you're in between that, you're trying to figure out, all right, well, am I, on a, am I good more of the time or am I average more of the time? You know what I'm saying? But one of the things I loved about Chris Shanley was as the season was going on, Chris Shanley, even though he averaged a 296 hitting percentage throughout the season against the top teams, like against all the nationally ranked teams that New Paltz played, Chris Shanley actively, I'm trying to think, I had this number on this Excel sheet, I don't have it, but he was averaging around a 375 hitting percentage against the good teams. So, and I'm not even like, you can go and check them yourself or just literally go to his stats and like, look at his page, but he was averaging 375 against the good teams and against NYU last year, Chris Shanley had his best game against NYU in the game they won in five, where he was their best outside option. Like, I think he went 10, four, I think he had 10 kills on four errors for 15 swings. Was it 15 swings? I, I don't know it off the top of my head. But he ended that game hitting like 350, and which is a way above his average of 296. And he, I, I'm going to be very honest, like New Paltz doesn't win that game without Chris Shanley last year. And I, I, after that game, I specifically went up to Chris Shanley and I said, I want to let you know, like I thought you played fantastic that day because I'm going to be honest, coming into the season, I think it's Chris Shanley's spot to lose. I'm, I'm, I'm very adamant about that. Now, granted, I'm not the coach. That's going to be uh, up to Radu, right? Like, he's going to see what he likes, and he's going to put whoever wants in. But I think the season right now, if the season were to begin right now, it starts with uh, Shanley and Spalding. Simple as that. And the other t- and uh, Larkin and Fitzgerald uh, are definitely going to get time. Quite definitely. Like, they're too good not to get time. But, yeah. but it's going to start with Shanley. And then it's up to Larkin and Fitzgerald to beat him. Simple as that. Hope you guys like that episode with Ramius. And if you are big in D3 men's volleyball, you need to check out his website, frogjumpvolleyball.com. We'll see you next week.